youth. Trump's experience in Los Angeles, apparently, as Sean Babyface McVeigh takes his talents to the Southland. The Rams' new head coach is a mere 30 years young, and he leaves his cushy offense inside the beltway for Sonny SoCal to try and mold Jared Goff into a real quarterback. The bell has rung, and the fight for L.A. has begun. Dean, Smart, and Final Spanos and the Chargers are moving in, and we as left coasters need to decide who to root for. Pete Carroll's Pacific Parrots travel to the dirty, dirty South for a rematch with the Falcons and their high-flying offense led by Matty. The playoffs don't scare me, Ice. Will they find their wings? And will Kyle Shanahan get a shot at a head coaching job? It's teacher versus student, David versus Goliath, raw power versus true grit. I've run out of comparisons. The point is the Houston Texans have miraculously made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. They head to Foxborough to face the heavy Super Bowl favorite, my Patriots. And the Kool-Aid man wakes up getting ready to defend his 16-2 record after the bye against the scariest offensive triplets these eyes have ever seen. The terrible towels come to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs. Mr. Rogers and company will take on the Dallas Starboys this weekend. Can they keep the magic going, or will Zeke Elliott and his magnificent eight-pack roll through him again? This week on the Left Coasters Podcast. Boys and girls, to the three in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, are you ready? We have the San Diego Chargers have entered the Los Angeles. Los Angeles Chargers. They're the Los Angeles Chargers now. They've entered the Thunderdome. We have a second team in this Left Coasters podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Left Coasters podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo. I'm here, as always, with Brian the Ballerina Balzarini, Matt D'Angelo Antonio, and what a show we have for you guys. A great week. Unbelievable. This has been an amazing week for for changes in the L.A. area. So much. We're coming off a wild card weekend where the uh, the average margin of victory was 19 points. We have three amazing divisional games to look at and we have a special guest coming in to talk about those but first guys the world as we know it has fallen apart and we now have two teams in los angeles two new head coaches and we don't know what to do and a new logo and a new logo we started here with the rams coming in a new hometown team as three fans of separate teams wanting to root for a hometown team now guys we have to make a decision you're either going to be a Chargers fan or you're going to be a rams fan because the Chargers are the new sexy one and they are bringing the fight right away for you left coasters listening at home open up your computer open up your browser and go to fightforla.com and you will know exactly what i mean when i say that incredible marketing unbelievable they're doing everything right thus far exactly that the rams, the rams didn't do the rams did not do they are they are they're winning the pr game they're attempting to win the marketing game from the get-go and they're trying to win the heart of this city so if you open up fight for la i just want to read this to you right away you get who we are it's in bold print it comes out and grabs you the new logo the stadium everything this isn't any city this is los angeles L.A. is people and places and passion and pride. Any respect given must be earned. You show up with a dream, then work hard to make it come true. Oh, man. So we fight. Every practice, every play, every single inch on every field in every neighborhood for all of L.A. We wear L.A. on our chest. We fight for it with our heart. Fight for L.A. Hey, they're here, baby. That's more that's more impassioned than any Jeff Fisher quote ever. Ever. Unbelievable. Guns blazing. They're coming in guns blazing. They Give want them credit. people to get excited right away because I think they 
got the pulse that L.A. is not excited about football yet. The, no, the Rams no. did not get L.A. excited about this. But now you've got, you know, after 50-some-odd years, they've decided. I mean, it's great for Los Angeles. Terrible for San Diego. It's terrible for San Diego, and it's just one more sort of, like, notch in the book of, of just – what a, what a pissing contest in terms of who has the biggest, most elaborate stadium. This has become all about for the NFL. It's be, and it's just it's so inf, it's so infuriating as a fan to watch this because it's just it's all about the money now. It's no longer oh, about the teams. It's no longer about the fans. It's no longer about the players. They basically the the Chargers the Chargers hadn't had a stadium option or the the people of San Diego did not have a stadium option in like 14 years. They yeah. only got one since there was the, since the discussion about coming here came up one option and that was this past year on the ballot it would have raised hotel taxes in San Diego in order to help pay for this they wanted to build this this huge stadium in San Diego expensive and they the taxpayers didn't want to do it it was the only choice they had so what else was the team supposed I, to do I want to stop you right there because it was not the only choice they had there was another choice on the menu, and that's exactly what Stan Kroenke did to move to the St. Louis franchise over here. Dean Spanos could have ponied up the money. He is a billionaire, a B, billionaire, could have built a stadium in San Diego on his own penny, but he didn't want to. So now instead, if I'm Stan Kroenke and I have the now Los Angeles Chargers coming in, they do not have their own stadium here. They are tenants in my stadium. If I'm Stan Kroenke, I am building Ram statues everywhere. I am making that stadium in the shape of a ram, so the Chargers will always know that they are tenants in a stadium. This is not the Jets and the Giants in New York. They are not sharing this stadium. It is like a landlord having a tenant in the stadium just using it for eight weeks a year. And I well, mean, wait, they're not sharing the stadium. They're not sharing the Coliseum. That's yes. not how this... No, 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 no we're stadium. not talking about the that. New talking about the new stadium. Oh, I see what For you're saying. For two years, they're playing in Carson City in what is supposed to be 27,000-seat arena, which is going to be it an can awesome... Expand, it can expand to 30. It's going to be an awesome place to go see an NFL football game, I'm I think. I'm excited about but that. But for the new stadium, I'm talking about Stan Kroenke's baby, the new Jerry World that's going to be built in downtown L.A., that's, I mean, I would make everything in the shape of ram horns so everyone knows that this ain't the Bolts' place to be. Yes, but there's nothing stopping from uh, Spanos from coming in and saying, I want to contribute some, some portion. He's got to pay it. He's sure, got to bring the money. I, I, That's what took him out of San Diego. Yeah, but he didn't want to be the he didn't want to be the sole uh, uh, um, harbinger of the of the of the stadium. He wanted he wanted public support. But this stadium that Kroenke's building is and does have public support. So he knows he's backed. He can contribute a little bit to to make sure that he's got a say in certain things. But at the end of the day, Kroenke's not going to want to. I mean, if Kroenke's got another guy who's going to split the cost, he's got a roommate coming in. He's he, he's not going to be pissed. If any if anything, the city knows. It's roommates. You, you got to put the line down the middle and make things work. I think Kroenke is probably going to be. I think it's going to be an arms race, personally. Oh, uh, for sure. I think I think it's going to raise the the bar for both teams because they know that they've got somebody to compete with in that market, and I think it does start with that stadium. I I, I agree with you. If the, if he's going to be petty and he's going to be going to really dig it home, yeah. I think it started with the website and the new logo. They've already started to try and move this forward and be uh, like, amazing. I'm owning Los Angeles. It's amazing. I love it as a fan. Well, they I want to see very, this happen. They have a very much uphill battle to go, not only because this place is already, in terms of football, kind of entrenched from the past in. 
the Rams. Mm -hmm. But you've also got the Raiders contingency that is still very, very much here. Yeah. But the in, latest, in but the Los latest, Angeles. but the latest figures already say though that the the uh, Orange County. Yes, Orange County, South Orange County has a and lot South of LA Charger County, fans, a lot of Chargers, and there fans. are a lot of Charger fans in in South LA County too. But the majority of Los Angeles County is Rams and Raider fans. In it's, fact, I would say it's Raider fans it's more than so Rams fans. And 49er fans. It's going to go between the Chargers and the Rams. It's honestly going to go next year. Who is going to make who's the playoffs win? first? Who's going to well, win? Not even just win, but just who's going to make the playoffs? Because that's LA is a very trendy town. You want to be a hot sure. topic. And it's the first team to succeed is the first team that's going to gain those neutral in-betweeners. But well, it's also going to be about which fan experience caters to the elite. 30,000 seat stadium or and the ugly ass Coliseum. And there is already a difference yeah. in in just the 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 current stadiums that they are in. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Coliseum compared to StubHub little soccer stadium, <laughs> it's a huge it's difference in culture. It's a huge difference it's in culture. It's going to play really well into the small or big market team with a small market boutique feel. Yeah. If they yes, want to yes. if they want to run with that narrative, it'll play really well because hey, look at this. We've got this really close-up, intimate experience that we can get for and you, and people will pay a lot of money lot for of money. it because they're going to want to go and have a nice experience at a newer stadium that is a very intimate venue. You're going to get to be so close to the football field in comparison Correct. to a place like the Coliseum, which is built for a 100,000-person football game. And it's built for fatter people because it was built later in life. Honestly, it's going to be a more comfortable seat. That and is a the, Rams, the Rams are going to be the, going to be the team of the people. And the Chargers are going to be the team for the elites. It's going to happen. Think so? Oh, absolutely! Okay. You okay. can already see the difference in the marketing. Yeah, it's well, cleaner. Before we move on to the Chargers' new head coach, uh, I, I just I thought it, it's kind of ironic that uh, this is all happening because when the Chargers left Los Angeles originally, it was because they couldn't compete with the Rams, who were so entrenched here in terms of a football culture, and now they're coming back to Los Angeles it's to compete with those very same Rams and they have a very good chance of, oh, of competing sure. with them if not if they're if they become successful possibly completely overtake and I'm the excited Rams. go ahead no no you go I'm just excited to now see when you you brought up winning Yes. Two, two new head coaches. That's the thing. Like this is what's going to happen is you this first year for the Rams did not succeed, and you had a chance to. What was the first step you needed to do to make sure 2017 was different than 2016? That was hire the right guy to be, as I've been calling it, the mayor of Los Angeles. Well, we now have a mayor and a governor. Good luck, because good looking young kid from. That's it. We yeah. have two new head coaches. The Chargers hired Buffalo's interim head coach. This guy has had a skyrocketing year for 2016. He started off right? as like an assistant, a wide receiver. Right. Coach, back then coach became or an offensive yeah. coordinator, then became an interim head coach. Now he's the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. His name is Anthony Lynn. The Los Angeles Rams. I keep saying San Diego Chargers. They're now the Los Angeles Chargers. Hey, it's, a, it's a bad and habit. The, the Los Angeles Rams hired the youngest coach to ever be hired in the NFL, and his name is Sean McVay. He is the Washington Redskins offensive coordinator. He was. He was. And he uh, he led Kirk Cousins this year to almost getting 5,000 passing yards, developed Kirk Cousins into a very nice coordinator. Quarterback, and we're gonna do Anthony Lynn and Sean. Uh, we're gonna do an Anthony Lynn dive in later on because now, as us left coasters, I think Our we heads need to are start spitting. covering both teams. Our heads are spinning. But we're gonna hit up Sean McVay right now. What does this hire mean for this Los Angeles team? And do you think it was a correct one? A little fun fact about him: his father, or excuse me, his grandfather was one of the executives for the San Francisco 49ers through their dynasty in the 80s. Really? That's he's got good. he's got he's got a pedigree. 
which is really important in the NFL for a lot of different reasons. But I'm excited about it because when we see him, I've seen pictures of him now, I go, that's a golden boy. Oh, for sure. He's a golden boy. For sure. He's going to be this really good-looking, charming young guy who's going to appeal to this millennial crowd uh, who they're trying to they're trying to get infused into this city, the culture here. Uh, I think it's a great hire from a standpoint that he, they have a guy who you always ask the question, Tony, do we have an offensive guy or a defensive guy? Well, we've got our answer. We've got an offensive guy. Straight up offense. They're going to go hard making Jared Goff a feasible workable quarterback. I think that was their goal in this coaching search. They looked at a lot of offensive-minded people and ended up going with a guy who's ready to develop a young quarterback. His name is Sean McVay. He was born January 24th, 1986. He is 30 years He's old. He's fucking younger than me. He is 30 years He's old. younger than me. Unbelievable. His uh, coaching history started off in 2008 in Tampa Bay as an assistant wide receivers coach. He then went to the Florida Tuskers. Yes, the Florida Tuskers, where he was a quality control coordinator. Is that UFL? Yes. Yes, uh, the United Football League and a wide receivers coach there. He came back to the NFL when he hit up Washington in 2010, assistant tight ends coach. 2011 through 13, he was the tight ends coach. And 2014 through this past NFL season, he was the Redskins' offensive coordinator. He's had a meteoric rise through yeah. the NFL ranks here. In, in, in 09, and he was in the UFL as a wide receivers coach. Now he's a head coach in and the they National give him, Football League. And they give him credit for making the decision and ultimately grooming Kirk Cousins. Look, I mean, my first reaction was surprise. I, I'm going to be honest with you because this, from a from an NFL head coaching standpoint, hiring a 30-year-old guy is, is pretty shocking. Over McDaniels? Over a guy like Josh McDaniels, who has been a head coach before, over a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who has a lot of experience uh, in the NFL, who has a father who is a Super Bowl winning coach. You know, it's not that I don't, you know, necessarily, I believe Sean McVay's father was also a football player, so it seems like football runs in his family as well um but i think he's gonna they're hope the team is hoping he's gonna bring a spark to the locker room i think and a spark to the offense especially and everything you said about Goff. i mean Goff is the future they traded the farm to get this kid in the yep. draft last year he he's it him and todd Gurley are supposed to be what what this team relies on for years to come and Goff showed no signs like and and it wasn't just that he had bad games he had one he had one game i, I forget which game exactly it was but he had one game where he showed up and he actually played but he didn't even really show a lot of the tools in the starts no, that he had no he did not not like like the like the potential was there like I he was an unmitigated him. disaster so i mean look if you can turn kirk cousins who is a nobody coming out of michigan state who also into, did not look great in his first who did year not look great in his first year and now he's in you know barring on an elite level quarterback who's going to get paid elite level quarterback money during the offseason yes, here um i think it's a smart i think ultimately it's a smart hire and what's Here's, a, uh, no i was just gonna make quickly we talked about who they bring in with them the word yes. on the street is Wade Phillips is coming behind him. And I'm I think very, it's been done. very happy about that. I think it's that. pretty much done. That's and pretty that's amazing. Because that's amazing. Because he can be sort of a mentor. He has been a head coach. Steady hand. He has been a def- uh, an elite-level defensive coordinator for a number of elite-level defensive teams. And I think he brings How? that experience that maybe McVay doesn't have. And Steady hopefully hand, he will man. lean on guys like, McVay, or, uh, like uh, Wade Phillips, like whomever they bring in to replace Rob Boris at offensive coordinator. Hopefully it'll be someone who is a little bit more seasoned uh, and somebody like Jim Fassel who took over as interim head coach in in the time after they fired Jeff Fisher. I mean, I think you've he's got 
the support system there even though if he's a young guy he's got it seems like he's got a good support system around him assuming they bring in someone who's good on the uh, offensive side of the ball for a coordination job and the good thing for us with the Wade Phillips hire is Wade Phillips is a very very funny individual he will be giving us quotes all year that we will laugh at and make fun of but let me say one thing about what he did in Washington Sean McVay with Kirk Cousins Uh, Kirk Cousins and the Washington team if you take Kirk and Jared Goff out of it we have a much better running back than Washington ever had in uh, in Sean McVay's time there. But their wide receivers in Washington are all playmakers and are much better than what we had. And their offensive line in Washington is much better than what we have in Los Angeles on the Rams side. I need to, I need to now say the Los Angeles Rams. Anyway, he's going to be starting from scratch over here. So I don't know if he's going to be able to, at the drop of a hat, get it right with Jared. But it's going to be a building process. I think you're going to actually see what Jerry Jones did with uh, Jason Garrett. You're going to see that kind of longer leash because I hope you so. believe the, he believes in the long— I mean, if you hire a 30-year-old guy, you're telling me that you believe in his long-term value. Because so. if you think a 31, 32-year-old is going to do something you know, amazing within a couple of years, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It just isn't going to be there. So I think that Kroenke said, I, I, have, a, I have a genius— a potential prod, you know, prodigy and a potential genius at the head coaching. Well, okay, great. I'm going to give him the reins and I'm going to let him do his thing. He just so happens to be a great quarterback mind too. Wonderful. And he's got a guy like Wade Phillips coming up who wor- worked with a Jason Garrett. Yep. A younger mind guy and worked well with him. That's a great, great, great mix. One interesting stat before we move on to touch on Anthony Lynn really quickly on the Chargers side of the uh, now uh, two-sided coin here in yes. Los Angeles for football. Uh, an interesting stat I'm reading here from an ESP, uh, from ESPN's article on McVay's hiring. The four youngest coaches, uh, head coaches in the Super Bowl era, uh, Lane Kiffin, Raheem Morris, David Shula, and Josh McDaniels uh, are included in that group, just some of the names. When a combined 52 and 115 before <laughs> For being fired by their respective teams. Bad that's, trend. A, that's according to ESPN stats and information. So, uh, yeah, that's a really bad trend. Losing more, that's more than double the losses uh, than wins. So, not, that's not to say McVay won't have success. I uh, hope maybe he'll be the one to buck the trend. But he's got an, uh, he has an uphill battle. I, uh, he's got a good support system, but he's definitely got an uphill battle. And they battle. can't do any worse. No, they really can't do any worse. Four and 12, I think, is about as bad as they expected things could possibly Fucking go Jeff this Fisher, year. Man. We'll have to see who's left on the draft board when they come around and for their first round pick. Oh, wait, wait, wait. They second. don't get a first. I'm sorry, no. second round pick. They don't have a first round pick this year because yeah. because Jared Goff. All right, so that's what we have. Los Angeles is crazy right now. I can't wait to dive into it more, but we have to move on to the playoffs. But first, before we do, we have a little thing we want to say about the four teams that lost in the wild card scenario. Dangles, if you want to say a little something, what, what can the Oakland Raiders do to move forward in the playoffs next year? Well, it's tough because, you know, your season basically got like your your season was, you know, you know, Robbed. like you're watching like a TV show and, and the best friend is like built up as this really good person throughout the entire show. And they're always there and they're a smart, loyal, um, fun character that you get attached to. And then they like accidentally get shot when someone was trying to like shoot the main character. So that that's how I feel about the, the, the Oakland Raiders this year. Like they just got such a bad beat because because of Carr going down, I think they really could have made a run potentially into at least the AFC Championship if Derek Carr were still a quarterback. So I think if you shore up a few of the things like the uh, some of the inconsistencies at, at uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball, um, outside of Khalil Mack, obviously he's the anchor of that. But you shore up a few holes in in the uh, in the secondary, you uh, improve the offensive line a little bit better. Uh, Amari Cooper has to be better next year than he was this year. There's just there's just no way around that. Michael Crabtree. 
Ogletree is not supposed to be the elite wide receiver on that team. Uh, so I think if Amari, Amari, Amari Cooper needs to play to his potential, they need to improve the defense, they need to improve their offensive line, and they need to keep Derek Carr healthy. That's really it. I think the Oakland Raiders, I'll say it now, will win the AFC West next year. Hey, if Derek Carr stays healthy, they could have won it this year. I will say that the Miami Dolphins, who also lost this wild card weekend, should be very happy with what they accomplished, especially starting off the year as badly as they did. Have to be very, very happy with the rookie head coach that they have. Adam Gase looks like the real deal. The one thing, like I asked Dangles for one thing, he gave me 17. The one thing they can do to improve to 2017 is they need to find playmakers on the back end of that defense. That defensive line, they also need to cut, uh, give me two things. They also need to cut contracts of Ndamukong Sue and Cameron Wade. more than one thing, Tony. I said. So, yes, you're right, Dangles. I'm giving you two things. They need to cut contracts on the defensive line because Ndamukong Sue and Cameron Wake cannot do it anymore, being paid too much. And they need, that to, team. they need to find playmakers on the back end that can help out that uh, secondary and linebacking core. But Miami should be happy with what they've accomplished. Bright guy. Detroit. Yeah. Uh, quickly, um, as evidence of both Drew and I picking the uh, the Detroit Lions to lose this past week and, and not being proven wrong, I, I think it it's really important to point out that the Detroit Lions are headed in a good direction. Yeah, They're headed in the direction of becoming that next elite team, hopefully. Um, meaning that they've gotten to the point where they, they, they've gotten to the playoffs. That was kind of, that was Caldwell's job. Mm-hmm. Get them into the playoffs. Now there's expectations of moving them forward. Knowing that Matthew Stafford is capable of taking that team further than they ever thought he could one or two years ago. Mm-hmm. So he's he, he's there. Now they need to start bringing talent around him. They need a running game, period. A running game needs to come into play. Four of the teams that won this week won in the running game. They won the rushing battle. So you need to start looking at that. And Bob Quinn, the general manager, has already said that. Mm -hmm. He said, priority numero uno is get this running game going. We cannot count on Amir Abdullah. We cannot count on Theo Riddick. We need a pure back. And they've got a young offensive line. Uh, and then, and then the other side of the ball in question is getting more defensive linemen. They need another guy outside Ziggy Anza, and they need a defensive tackle. They need somebody who's going to come in there and, and make make some waves. And then they need pieces around them: another linebacker, another DB. And this is the draft to do it. Mm-hmm. So they've set themselves up nicely to get some good pieces moving forward. Bob Quinn's got this team going the nice direction. And I know with one more year left on Caldwell's contract, he's only got one year left, and they're not going to renew it probably. They're giving him one year to make this look real good. Um, and continue and the success. Continue the success. Keep things going. Don't fall back. Don't let the Minnesota Vikings or the Chicago Bears catch you. And just keep competing with the Green Bay Packers. And and time is on your side if you yep. can keep adding things. So I think the Detroit Lions are in the head direct, headed in a good direction. I'm super proud of what they did this year. Um, and I'm looking forward to them in the future. Cool. And uh, now that's the end of our recap section. We're going to go into the injury report, I believe, and then our special guest. Yes, is sir. On. We've got the injury report coming up real quick. But first. I found this. Oh. I found the San Diego Superchargers theme song. Oh man. I'm excited. And for I want and I brought it today and I wanted to see you guys uh I wanted to see your faces when we play it. But okay. um here's a little snippet. Maybe, just maybe, next week, maybe the following week. We need to figure out something to do, man. We gotta figure out something to incorporate these uh new Los Angeles Chargers. It may be the theme song next year. Might be a spice, the two. I don't know. But here's just a taste for you and the listeners at home. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. All right, all right. Ram it.
Welcome back. By the way, how'd you like that? I loved it. That is a catchy chorus. I don't know what they were doing back in the 70s and 80s, man, but they were just pumping out theme songs for these teams. I think teams. this was actually from the 94 yeah. Super yeah. Bowl Stop season. It. So this is 90s music. Yeah, no, this is... Uh, Stan Humphrey. I, I don't know. I, I was, I was kind of, I was dancing a little bit to it. It's, uh, it's a pretty groovy tune. I like I, it. I never thought we'd be able to get a song as good as the Rams song, but that thing it is exists. close. It exists. It exists. But uh, I knew you guys would enjoy Whew. that. And the uh, arms race begins. It could be very well the, uh, the next theme song for it's the uh, left coasters. Not quite as misogynistic as Ram it, but um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh man. Well, we've got, so, we've got choices, which is great. Um, but moving forward here, we got the uh, injury report. Yes. Yes. Um, we got two major injuries this week. Okay. First and foremost, we unfortunately have your Jordy Nelson. Yes. Broken, uh, fractured two ribs. Two fractured ribs. He is not going to be playing this week. Potentially the following week, if they win, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. It's tough because last year we lost Jordy for the whole year and it really messed that offense up. But Devontae Adams has stepped up his up. game. He is an official number one wide receiver. Randall Cobb is the best slot receiver in the game when Aaron is healthy. And I really, really am and okay it, look missing Jordy Nelson. As as, te- as as terrible as that is to say. And it was terrible to see. Yeah, you, you I knew were it sitting next to me. You knew exactly. You called it, and it was uh, it was not pretty. But. Um, we're hoping hoping fast recovery for him. Yeah. Uh, next, another big one, interesting one. I don't know, it, 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 mixed feelings, but Ben Ben Roethlisberger was walking around in a boot at his press conference. Yeah, it seems like a Ben Roethlisberger injury. First off, he was in the game too long. They were up by multiple touchdowns, and that's when he got someone turned over his ankle, and he was in the walking boot. Happens a lot. It's Big Ben. Guys. It happens he plays, a lot. No, he, he always plays through anything, it's and big ben. I, I would say that it, it Ben Roethlisberger would have to be like, unconscious or unable to walk or legless or legless to yeah. not play in this game. That's the only way I see Landry Jones getting a snap in this game is if Ben Roethlisberger is like physically unable to get himself onto yeah. the field and Completely. throw the football. Completely as long as agree. he's able to hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell, they've got a chance. Yeah, but, pretty much. Uh, Before we move on to the division breakdown, I will say I heard this during the Houston-Oakland telecast. Did you know that J.J. Watt can uh, is resumed football activities? And if he wasn't on the IR and they hadn't already brought a player back from the IR, he could be available in this game in New England. J.J. Watt, former three-time defensive player of the year. That's that's terrible management you, of your team. I was going to say, general manager should be slapping himself Man, for that you one. ever played fantasy football? Come you on. Get, you got to manage that You get that one better. slot. Have but to. that's what we have for the injury report. We're welcoming in a special guest in the next section and breaking down the divisional playoffs as we see them. I'm getting excited, guys. You should be too. Left Coasters podcast. Ram it, baby. Superchargers. <laughs> And welcome back, Left Coasters, and we are here now ready for the divisional round. You've heard our injury report. You've heard the recap. Again, we are the Left Coasters. You can reach us at theleftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com, a Facebook and Instagram under the same name. And I have a very special guest here today. We, you'll notice that we did not do the swan song in the last recap section because we still left one more team on the table. That's because we brought back one of the biggest fans of that team, the New York Giants' number one fan. He's been on the podcast before. He's here again for the divisional round breakdown. Mr. Alex Alche, welcome back. Thank you, gentlemen. I am thrilled and pissed off to be here. Hey, man, we had to get you in somehow. We wanted to get you in last week so you could preview the game. Instead, now you have to sort of say goodbye. So whatever you want to say to your Giants, please feel free to do oh, so now. Oh, God. Well, it's been the most mediocre season per usual for the Giants. It is had it over the past... I'd say 10 years has been extremely difficult to be a Giants fan because we keep winning, and sometimes we even win Super Bowls, and yet every year I go, we fucking suck. 
We are not a good team. We are not led by a good quarterback. We have no running game. We barely have an offensive line. We have a decent defense that sometimes shines with a child at quarterback. It is, it's Eli Manning is just full of mediocrity. He cannot throw a pass when we need him this season at all. This season was just a nightmare on Eli's Eli's account, as far as I'm concerned. I thought he was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and to have no running game with Eli Manning is just, I'm watching just children running around and Odell Beckham Jr. magically making a Pop Warner play every so often. Now, let me ask you, let me ask you this about, about OBJ. Is it, is it time for the Giants to really put their foot down when it comes to him? Because, I mean... Look, there have been plenty of, of players throughout the league's history that have been head cases. I mean, Chad Johnson comes to mind. Terrell Owens comes to mind. Um, Albert Hainsworth comes to mind, just to name a few. But, yeah. you know, these teams put up with them. But this is some really childish stuff. Punching a hole in the wall after a loss. And this isn't just the first time. Like, he's shown over the course of the season that he is a sore loser. He doesn't like to lose, and he makes sure everybody knows it. So, I mean, at what point did the Giants finally, they're not going to cut the guy, probably not going to trade the guy, but at what point did the Giants put their foot down and how? I don't know how they put Because it's a distraction. You can't tell me, Alex, that it's not a distraction to the team and to to them playing on the, uh, you know, on the field. You can't tell me that that, that they weren't a little bit distracted by their, that, that boat photo. At there, the, on the game on Sunday. Dangles, there's a reason why I don't own an OBJ jersey or an Eli Manning jersey because I just don't like them at all as people. OBJ is a very talented. He's, a, he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the league, if not the most talented as far as just pure talent. Mm-hmm. But he is the biggest head case maybe to ever enter the NFL. He needs a therapist badly <laughs> and the best therapist there is. I don't know what to do in terms of that. I don't know I don't know how we battle that, but having a great wide receiver is not the answer for the Giants. I would love if we traded OBJ. I don't I don't need a Terrell Owens like 6.0 on my team. Okay, I get that, but let me ask you this. First off, Dangles, let me say that let he who has not punched a hole in the wall in anger be the first one to make fun of OBJ, because I think we've all been angry enough where we've done something really stupid. 21st birthday, definitely punched a hole in my dorm wall. At, well, it wasn't a dorm, it was an apartment, but still, punched a hole in the wall at Syracuse out of anger, yep. And losing a wild card game because he dropped a few balls that could have changed the game, I would have been angry as hell too. But, Alche, before we move off the Giants, we yeah. said it for the other teams that lost wild card weekend. 2017, next season. What do they need to do to move forward? A running game. We need a running Period. game. Period. Okay. Big okay. time. And Paul Perkins isn't that answer? <laughs> Welcome Definitely to the club. Not. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. All right. So, Dangles, now it's time for to break down the divisional games, which the Giants are not a part of. But Alche is still here to break down Saturday's divisional games. First, guys, we have a recap of the picks that we made last week. We all lost one game last week. Brian, you lost Oakland. I lost Miami. Dangles lost the Giants. And by an average margin of 19 points in those games. So we all were pretty far off. It's I okay. was the closest, though. Good, my good my score you. was the closest. Congratulations. I'm that out. Thank Con- you. Connor Cook you, almost Bazzarini. did it. You're welcome. Uh, so we all have three points going into this week. We're all going to make a pick on every game. And these wins are worth two points each. So knowing that moving forward, Dangles, what do we got first on the plate? We've got one very good game on Saturday, (laughs) and we've got one game that isn't so great on Saturday. Uh The first game of the day on Saturday is going to be excellent. 1.35 Pacific time, that'll be 4.35 Eastern. The Seattle Seahawks travel to the Georgia Dome to take on Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. This is uh, is the second time these two teams have met during the season. The Seahawks came away with a 26-24 win in week 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Five, uh, and <laughs> it was at Seattle, correct? No, 
No, it wasn't. It was, it was in the Georgia it was, Dome. In, it was in Atlanta, and uh, Richard Sherman on the final play of the game yep. got away with a pass interference call that should have given Matt Ryan and the Falcons a chance to win the game. Instead, Seahawks go on to win. Falcons are out for blood on Saturday. What do we like about this game, guys, and what do we not like? I like how close this game is going to be because wildcard weekend was anything but close, and this divisional matchup right off the jump should be a barn burner from the get-go. Seattle has a great defense, matches up really well against what Atlanta does well. Let's see if this Atlanta team plays in January like they played in November and December. Al Che, what are you looking at, buddy? You know, I think the big X factor is going to be if Atlanta can execute the run game. Mm-hmm. That two-headed beast is going to have to be alive for Julio Jones to break free and because they're going to be on him like white on rice. It's going to be ridiculous how not open Julio Jones is going to be all game. You think so? I do. But if Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman can break away and have decent games and open up the the wide receivers for them, and, and plus Gabriel's back, everyone is back to full health now, yes. but they've had a couple weeks, that offense is going to be firing at all cylinders, and they're going to be gunning to get Julio Jones going. And that the way to do that is through the run game, for sure. I, I think you're absolutely right on the running game, and they do have a two-headed monster of attack. Brian, what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to look at Atlanta's defense. Yeah. Uh, because I think Atlanta's offense is going to score points. They've got too many things going for them. Like you pointed out, the run game. If you've got Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman doing anything, Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, they're going to make you pay. But it'll be the Atlanta defense that I, I'm going to be looking at. They actually have some wonderful depth at, at their at, at young depth at their defensive positions. Linebackers, defensive ends, corners, Keanu Neal was a wonderful pick for them. I'm excited to see those guys step up and see if they can take on the Seattle Seahawks at home because Seattle put some nice points up on the Detroit Lions, sadly. But, uh, yeah, late. Th- late in the game. But nonetheless, make, make Russell Wilson really work hard because they're they're not going to be like the Lions and give up a lot of in uh, runs between the tackles that was what happened Thomas Rawls running for that many yards in between the tackles was the death knell of the Detroit Lions I don't, I don't think, think that it, happens to Atlanta no, no I don't think that happens to Atlanta so it will be on Russell Wilson to make big plays and uh, I think that'll be the difference see I, I'm coming at this from a completely different perspective I think Thomas Rawls is going to have a huge day yeah against the wow. Atlanta Falcons hmm. defense because it's not that good guys it's really not that good. It's okay, and I know I've propped it up a couple of times over the course of the season, but in the grand scheme of things, they have a, pro- uh, 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 a competent secondary, a secondary, but their front seven is nothing to really if, that I am at least scared of if I'm an NFL quarterback, which I am not. So, but, <laughs> but thanks for clearing that up but, for us, Daniels. But uh, the Seahawks are three, four, and one on the road this year. Yep. Uh, Falcons are five and three at home. For me, this comes down. This is really this is the Seahawks game to lose. I think. Their defense really? is I, their defense is better than than the Falcons' offense. I think overall. Dangles. What? Dangles. Uh, the Atlanta offense. The, all right, the Atlanta offense scored as many points as Kurt Warner's greatest show on turf 2000 offense. Okay, that's fine. That's great. I, I, and you that's, think that's that awesome. Seattle defense is better than Atlanta's offense? I think Seattle's just playing on a different level right now, like they often do in the playoffs. They definitely the, turned it on last week. They're they're a different team than they were in the regular season. Russell Wilson's playing at a different level. I they disagree. Got this, they got this Paul Richardson kid making one-handed catches left and right. Yeah. Doug Baldwin is playing way above and beyond what he normally does. Thomas Rawls is playing above and beyond what he normally does. Those linebackers, Bobby Wagner, Cliff Averill, the, everything's clicking for them right now. If Earl Thomas were, were on that field, there'd be I would be very worried about Matt Matt uh, Ryan's chances to be his normal self and throw but, like 400 yards and four touchdowns. But Dangles, they played and no offense, Balzarini, they played a very mediocre Detroit Lions team 
with a very me- mediocre offense. They're going up against Matt Ryan, who is going to win the MVP and the best offense in the league. Yeah, but he's the all, Seahawks are not ready he's for that. All, but Ryan is all they've got going for him. If what? let's say Ryan goes down, just like Derek Carr did, if uh, he gets if he gets hurt, then what? Yeah, you can't say that, no, though. If but, Russell Wilson gets hurt, they have who is their quarterback? Yeah. Come on, you can't and say And let's injury. point out that when they played the Lions, the Seattle Seahawks, the, the Lions stuck with them for three quarters. Yes, they did. They made it a game. Okay, so we're not talking about the Seahawks going and spanking the Detroit Lions. It looked bad on paper, but it wasn't I'll that type that. of game. I'll so Because if, so, if the Seahawks only score 10 points through three quarters, they're going to be blown out of this game. Absolutely. Atlanta is going to spank them. And that's at home. Mind you, their last game was at home in Seattle where they typically play play well. They have to go across country now to arrested Atlanta Falcons. I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the math. The Falcons team that also hasn't played in a couple of weeks. I'm right they are there with going you. to they're gonna be a little I, I wonder if we're not gonna see a little rust on Matt Ray. Had a lot of time to think about this game, a lot of time to watch everybody else pressure. play. A lot of pressure on them, especially considering how good they were during the regular season and how potent their offense is and how well everybody else expects it to do. So I'm just saying temper your expectations. This is really a, an unstoppable force meets a movable an immovable object matchup that I'm very excited for. But I do think it's Seattle's game. To lose. But Dangles, you see Thomas Rawls breaking off 120 yards in the first half of the game again. Not I don't in the see first that happening. Half of the game, but I think he probably goes over 100 yards on the game. Maybe, but I know. I think that Atlanta's ready to fight Rawls. Rawls is Rawls and Baldwin are all you need to stop on that offense. Is yes, anybody... you need to get to Russell Wilson, but those are the only two who you really need to stop. They don't have a, they don't have a huge number of wide receivers to go to. My question is: Before we move to picks, when did Devin Hester become a Seahawk? He got cut uh, late in the season by uh, the oh geez was exactly he's been on like three teams this week and now he's returning wild card weekend kickoffs for the Seahawks. When did that happen? Devin Hester again. He got cut at the very end of the season and then picked up Uh, Ravens. He was on the Ravens for Ah, the majority of the season. Then the Ravens cut him at the end of the season and Seahawks picked him up. So he's in the playoffs. Good for Devin getting a paycheck. (laughs) Uh, By by the way, Thomas Rawls only has three TDs and three hundred forty nine yards. This season. On the season? On the regular yeah, season? Yeah, he spent the whole season hurt. But that's what I'm saying. He that, had one good game. Tevin He's Coleman, the, the second leading rusher for the Atlanta Falcons, has 520 yards and eight touchdowns. Everybody, I'm just saying, okay, everybody said that about Jay Ajayi, and then one good game turned into two good games, turned into three good games. It can happen with Rawls, too. Let's move forward to picks. Alex, we'll start with you since you are, you're our guest. Who are you picking? I'm picking Atlanta, baby. I'm picking Atlanta all the way. Seattle, fuck you. Fuck Pete Carroll. Hate Pete Carroll. Wow. Mm. Strong take from Alex Alche on the Pete Carroll move. Hate Pete Carroll. I I'll like hold him Pete back. Carroll a lot, man. I, I do, think, too. I don't hate Pete Carroll. I like Pete. I think he's a really good coach. I am also taking Atlanta. I've been high on the Falcons this year. They've won me money this year in my season over-under bet. I like Matty Ice. Could be the final game in the Georgia Dome ever, and I think they go out with a win. Bright guy. Wait, why is that? Georgia Dome's done. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sta- oh, they got the new state, the soccer sh- stadium too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun fact. Uh, I'm picking the Atlanta Falcons for all the all the reasons we talked about. I think Matt Ryan currently sits with 38 TDs compared to Russell Wilson's 21. Uh, you're just you, it, it's a powerhouse, and 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 it's again, I think it's the Atlanta Falcons defense to, sh- to just to show up and make it hard for Russell. And I think that's going to be. I the think difference. it's very similar to Green Bay in New York. If you stop, if you if you can stop Russell, you're going to win because they're going to score. Yeah, they're absolutely going to score. I think that. But did, before we move to Dangles' pick, do you guys think it's going to be a multi-score game? Because I think it's going to be right down to the end. I th- I could see it being a um, a thirty-something to twenty-something, you know, high twenties. Uh, you think game. so as well? Ten-point game. Yeah. Wow. Ten point game. Okay, Dangles, what's your pick? 
Well, I'm going with Seattle, uh, and for one big reason, that's playoff experience. There um, is yep. so much playoff experience on that Seattle Seahawks team, and I just think that's going to win over in the end. Yes, the Atlanta Falcons are going to score points, but the three of you are all approaching this as though the Seahawks defense doesn't know that. You don't <laughs> think they're coming into this game knowing that Matt Ryan regularly throws for 400 yards a game and four touchdowns? Of course they do. They're going to be blanketing Julio Jones. They're going to be blanketing Taylor Gabriel. And How yes, do they score points, Dangles? Uh, they're, I, I, I don't know. They're going to have to find ways to get Julio Jones open. Oh, I'm not. I'm talking about or, Seattle. Oh, if if oh, Atlanta's going to score, how does Seattle? How does Seattle? How does counter? Seattle score like they always do? Russell Wilson extends plays. He makes something out of nothing. He finds Doug Baldwin miraculously <laughs> somehow. No, he does. You know, he, he makes a way. He finds a way of doing it consistently, and especially if he's got good wide receiver play happening in the off season, like or in the in the postseason, like he seems to now. I just think the momentum. I, I'm just. I'm. You know, maybe I'm just viewing it differently, but I just see all the momentum on the side of the Seattle. Seattle Seahawks here. They've been playing. They're warm. They're ready to go. And and I think they win this. I'm excited for the game. I'm excited to prove you wrong. Let's go. One more game to uh, look at on Saturday. And uh, that one's not going to be, well, I mean, on paper, it's going to be a fucking blowout. Houston's <laughs> going to Foxborough to play New England. It's going to be bitter cold. Uh, the game kicks off at 515 Pacific. That's 815 for those of you on the East Coast. Uh, at Gillette Stadium, it's Tom Brady versus Brock Osweiler. It's uh, the the uh, the the master versus the disciple and Belichick versus O'Brien. Yes, uh, it'll be an interesting matchup. I think at the very least, I don't think it's going to be like a forty-two to nothing blowout. But uh, guys, I mean, are, is this even going to be close? Uh, I don't know if it's going to be close. And you know who also doesn't think it's going to be close? Las Vegas, because you know what the point spread is on this game? Can only imagine. It is minus sixteen. New England is favored by sixteen points in a playoff game. Against a division winner. That's how much people well, disrespect Vegas, these Texans. Vegas needs a good day because it got absolutely fucked by the college playoff this week. The worst case scenario for bookmakers this week, guys, was for Clemson to win and for the over of 51 points, both of which were hit last night. I think they lost close to a million dollars in total. Yeah, they put a lot of money, uh, a lot of stake on New England this week. But that's the question, guys. What We all think New England's going to win, so there's no use wasting our breath on that. My question to you guys is, what would need to happen for Houston to win this game? Brock Osweiler needs to develop into another quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he, Do a little he, body Freaky Friday switch. All year, he has been a nightmare. He got benched like two weeks before the season ended. He sucks. There's no way that he's leading this team to victory over Tom Brady. No, but in all seriousness, what could actually happen, I don't think it'll happen, but what could happen in, in Houston's favor is that their defense causes turnovers. Yes. That is about the only scenario where I see points get up on the board that somehow matches Tom Brady's yeah. output. Yeah, but because I don't see the, I don't see any possibility of Lamar Miller, Brock Osweiler, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. I don't see any of them putting points up on the board uh, that compares to what Tom Brady's about to do. So that defense has got a. I, I mean, you know, it, I was fun. It was fun to watch uh, Jadavian Clowney. He's r- awesome. Really do what we all wanted him to do yes. when he came he to the league. Connor Cook so much trouble. Oh, it yeah. was so awesome. fun to watch, including so, a great pick off of a tip. Oh, yes. that was amazing. It was amazing. That's why you drafted him at number one. So uh, that is about the only scenario I see in 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 your Freaky Friday uh, uh, world uh, now, happening. Now, what happened earlier this week in New England and could happen again on Sunday, 16 inches of snow fell earlier this weekend in, in Foxborough. Who do you think that favors? I don't know. It probably favors a team that wants to keep the game within the teens and the 20s, and that's Houston. And that's Houston. Because Houston can't keep up scoring with New England. 
I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I, you need Jadavian Clowney to become superhuman. You need to force turnovers, and you need to keep this game within the teens and try to eke one I out. I have a hard end. time believing, even if the Sky does, decides to take a massive shit on uh, Gillette Stadium, that somehow Bill Belichick and the and the, uh, the New England Patriots it, aren't it prepared be, for they that. Will be ready. It would they be, will be ready. It would be one of the most unprecedented postseason upsets, not not just in NFL history. It would be up there with the, the Giants beating the the eighteen and zero Patriots in two thousand and seven. It would be it would be up there with that. But there the way and the way that they win is by keeping the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. And and you guys touched on that the. Te- the the Texans defense does force a lot of turnovers. They have good corner uh, corners. And the other thing that they need to do in turn, uh, it is in in addition to keeping the ball out of Brady's hands is take advantage of the Patriots weak secondary. That's the only other way that they're going to be able to do it. Cause the Pats secondary is it's not great. Devin McCourty is a good cornerback. Logan Ryan is a good cornerback. None of them are elite cover guys. I, I and love Malcolm Butler. I don't uh, know Malcolm Butler's well, look, I, don't get me wrong. He'll always have a special place in my heart. Thank you for 2013 and what you did. Um, I, but I just, they're not. It's not an elite secondary like you. Like Houston secondary is honestly better than than the New England secondary in my opinion. So Maybe. they can take advantage of the cornerbacks and and get some open looks. And if they keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands, but as long as the football is in Tom Brady's hands, Houston doesn't win this game. It just me, can't, it just doesn't happen. For me, it doesn't even matter if it's in Tom Brady's hands. Legarrette Blunt's gonna run train on, yeah. on eighteen touchdowns. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. run train. When I say when I say in Brady's hands, I mean on that the, the Patriots side of offense the has the yeah. ball. Yeah. Well, that, and that's also beholden on, on the Houston offense to hold the ball. Time of possession is going to be really important in this game if they if they're going to have a chance. And if throwing the ball is your way of keeping the ball out of Tom Brady's hands, I don't think you well, got a chance. Well, and with the weather, with the weather the way that it's supposed to be, it sounds like it'd be the perfect conditions for Lamar them to pound it got on to the do, ground yeah. with Lamar Miller. He's, He's going to have to do something he hasn't done this year, and that's really just. Take, take over. Take over. Take over a game. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we can go right in the picks. I'm picking New England. New England by New 17. England. Yeah, the Patriots have at least two touchdowns. I think it's going to be really difficult for Houston to keep up with them. They're just they're too they're too they're playing in two different leagues. Really? You want to talk about experience? Yeah. <laughs> You know, we were talking oh, about yeah. experience playing out with, for Seattle. I can't imagine the experience uh, of of going up against a New England team who has been where they have been. New England's season every year does not start until the AFC Championship game. Crazy. That's when their season begins. Crazy. And it won't end. It's it won't. End. Sorry, guys. We don't have much to, to, to no, get you really on Saturday. Saturday. That's all we got. Hey, there's a hell of a game in the morning. We got better games this week than we do from last week. And I'm, I'm looking forward to Atlanta-Seattle. Really am. Oh, absolutely. It's gonna be a great game. I might I might go out Saturday night instead of watching this New England game. I'll check the score on my phone, but it's gonna be disgusting. Yeah. But like you said, you don't have to tune in till uh oh, I don't know, two weeks. Yep. Yep, Patriots fans. But uh well we got Sunday, Dangles ready to move forward. Yeah, yeah, let's move on to Sunday. And Sunday is really if you're gonna pick a day to watch football this weekend, Sunday is the day to do it. Mm-hmm. Wait, two wait. very good games. Can, can I say ram it? Yes. Yes, please do. Let's fucking ram it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome back, Left Coasters. We are here now with your Sunday divisional preview. Uh, Alex Alche is here again for this segment. These are the real these these two games are going to be a lot of fun, Alche. Oh yeah, I can't wait. I'm pumped about this. And then I at the end of this wait. segment, like the guest host we had last week, we're going to ask you for your Super Bowl pick. So just be plotting that in your head right it's now. It's already there. Okay, it's all, right. There. all right. Way to we come won't... prepared. I appreciate that. I know I'm you're prepped. ready to go. You're ready yeah. to go. Um, do you wish New uh, New York was playing in this game? Yes. 
<laughs> I mean, is that, is, that a, is that a question? Of course. He's just making fun of you because he's an asshole. Pretty much. All right, Tangles, what do we got? All right, well, 32 teams started out the year. We are down to a quarter of the league, guys. Eight left, four of them on Sunday, and it starts off with a bond burner. 10.05 a.m. Pacific time. That's 105 for you guys on the East Coast. The Steelers uh, will leave Chili Pittsburgh and travel to Chili Kansas City. They'll head to Arrowhead to take on Alex Smith, Andy Reid, his fantastic school of clock management. That is the Kansas City. <laughs> City Chiefs. This is going to be really, really good. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I can start the conversation by saying I think a lot of this hinges on whether Kansas City's offense shows up because there's the offense that lays an egg and doesn't score. And then there's the offense that, you know, somehow, despite Alex Smith only going like 11 of 20 for 200 yards, they still manage to find their way into the end zone because they run a pick six back or two. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, we know Kansas City's defense is going to show up. Uh, we know Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers' offense is going to be tough to stop. For me, this all hinges on whether or not Alex Smith is there or not for the Kansas City offense. I think this is going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome game. Three awesomes in a row. I thought Miami was going to be able to keep up with Pittsburgh. That was clear as day. It was not. Two red zone fumbles recovered by the Pittsburgh defense didn't help that cause. I think Kansas City is can match up with Pittsburgh with uh, trick plays and Tyreek Hill 90-yard reverses on offense the way Pittsburgh can just throw it to Antonio Brown and suddenly Antonio Brown's in the end zone. I'm pumped for this game. I don't think Big Ben in this walking boot is going to really affect him. I think he's going to be just fine. The question is, (laughs) what don't we see scoring-wise in this game? I think we're going to see a score from every facet in the game. Something's going to happen in this game where we're going to be talking about it next week is the most incredible thing we've seen in a long time in the playoffs because that's that's the that's the dynamic of both of these teams and what they're capable of doing and what they're going to have to do. I there's there's probably no game up until this point that is more evenly matched. Yes. Between two teams that are playing each other and have good dynamics of of strengths and weaknesses. And they're so fun. And they're fun to watch and I think they're both well prepared and they're well coached. Yeah. So it'll be fun. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. I, when we get to the picks, I, I, I'm not going to feel confident in either which one. I, I mean, I know, I know I haven't been a big fan of Pittsburgh's defense, but as for weaknesses, do you guys see any weaknesses in either of these teams? Well, that, to that point, though, they're, they're, their defense is not poorly ranked. Yeah. I, I mean, just to give you some, some, some reference here, they're 10th in points on defense, 12th in yards, 16th in pass yards, and 13th in rush. That's not bad at all. That's middle of the pack, and if, if that's the worst part of your team, you're going to you're gonna win some games, especially in the playoffs. Absolutely. I, I think the Steelers' defense has gotten better throughout the season, but their offense needs to show up, and Andy Reid is going to be prepared for that. Andy, It's going to come down to coaching for me more you than anything. So? I think Andy Reid versus Tomlin special is going to be— Special teams, Special man. teams is going to be huge here because they're so evenly matched offense to defense and defense to offense that I—I I mean, Le'Veon Bell's going to run, Antonio Brown's going to catch the ball— can they contain that? Yeah. Uh, can, can Kansas City contain that? And can, like Dangles has been saying, can Alex Smith do anything? I think Alex Smith is pretty good. Alex Smith is is uh, what Trevor Simeon hopes to be, which is... Just mediocre. Just mediocre. Uh, I don't see but, him but as he doesn't make, But he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Which is great, but... That's also contingent on Spencer Ware showing up. I think up. Alex Smith is what Sam Bradford hopes to be. Sam Bradford will get you the accuracy, but uh, uh, Alex Smith I will mean, get you the accuracy five and ten yards further down the field. To... Alex Smith also has better playmakers around him than any of those subpar quarterbacks. Agreed. He can give it to Tyree Kill or Spencer Ware behind the line of scrimmage, and they'll take it to the house. The thing that makes Alex Smith a conundrum is actually that he does not throw a lot of touchdowns. 
No. He puts up a lot of yards, but decent amount of yards, but not a lot of touchdowns. Listen no. to 15 this. touchdowns. Listen to this. His counterpart, Ben Roethlisberger, on the season completed 328 passes out of the 509 he threw for 3,819 yards, 29 touchdowns, 13 picks. Alex Smith also c- uh, completed 328 passes this season out of 489, so just 20 less, pa- 20 fewer passes rather than Ben Roethlisberger threw this season for 3,502 yards, 15 picks, or I'm sorry, 15 touchdowns and eight picks so he threw half as many touchdowns this season almost as Ben Roethlisberger did and um, just only five fewer picks but he he completed the same number of passes Mm -hmm. for 300 less yards I mean you could say that speaks to his efficiency and the Kansas City Chiefs offensive scoring efficiency you could also say that that means that they cannot put the ball into the red zone when they get into the red zone well they're not a big play team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who with but their they are well, no, but with their personnel, with Pittsburgh's current personnel, they don't have to play tr- uh, trick plays. They don't have to run trick plays. They can just run their general formations they and can have do whatever their, they want and have their players play because now, they have the most talented offense in the league. But with Kansas City, they have to rely on those trick plays because they're not getting it on a normal formations. They're mm. not getting it out of normal normal play. So they have to be creative because Alex Smith is not going to throw sixty yard bombs. Mm. The Kansas City Chiefs, just for the record, guys, six and two at home this season. Uh, the Steelers five and three on the road. So um, more I mean, evenly matched. Yeah, not a not a whole lot to look at there in terms of putting them aside from one another. Um, I, I mean, if we want to, I don't know how much more there is to really say about this. Unless uh, you guys well, want to, you know, move into picks. Do you, do you have something, Tony? No, I'm ready to move into picks because I'll give you my final stat right now. Andy Reid sixteen and two off of the bye. Sixteen and two, given a week with. off to prepare for a team. I think this is going to be, again, awesome times three, the funnest game of the weekend, but I think Kansas City wins. Uh, like the defense will create turnovers. Tyreek Hill is going to have a 90-yard play. Spencer Ware is going to have 100 yards. Same thing on Pittsburgh's offense, but I think Kansas City sneaks it out at the end just because that's the way the ball's been rolling for them. They've been a very lucky team that's won games when they had to. Look at the failed two-point conversion uh, in Atlanta that they turned into two points to win that game. They just found ways to win these games. Let's go with the Kool-Aid man, Andy Reid. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh okay. um, for all the almost the exact same reasons. I just have more confidence. I I, I appreciate the 6-2 stat. I, that's not something that 16. makes me— 16-2, excuse me, 16-2 stat. I think it's going to be 16-3 because I believe that Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers are the team that is equipped— better than any team that I know to go up against the Kansas City Chiefs other than New England Patriots or a Dallas Cowboys. Because like the Green Bay Packers on the other side, which we will get to, I think they are absolutely hot and and have a team that is, from top to bottom, one of the most complete teams. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City hasn't done really well against good, complete teams. Oh, I disagree. But okay, well, we'll, they see, have, we'll they see Sunday. And we'll see what happens. They've beaten Oakland. They've beaten Denver. They've beaten the teams. putting. They've beaten Atlanta. They've beaten those teams that are in the playoffs Well, two right out now. of those three teams you just mentioned are not in the playoffs. Denver's a Super Bowl champion. Uh, Oakland was the best Trevor team Simeon, in football. Trevor Simeon, mediocre man. Oakland Come on. was the best team in football until Derek Carr went down, and they beat him twice. All I know is the, la- in the of the last six weeks, the only team to have lost is the Kansas City Chiefs, and they lost to the Tennessee Titans. 17-19, at home. Okay, Alche. I'm going Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I'm going Pittsburgh because Le'Veon Bell. I think that he's going to have a game. I think he's, that awesome. he's gonna, We didn't even talk about him. He's he, awesome. He's, he's, he's the X factor in that game. If he can have a game, he he's going to control the clock too. 
Yeah. Be- ben, we're all talking about Ben Roethlisberger breaking off big plays. They're not going to do that. Tomlin knows that that defense is ferocious. They're going to give the ball to Le'Veon Bell and let him do what he does, and he's going to bur- he's going to wait and burst and wait he and does, burst he all the, fucking game. I've never seen a running back run the way he does. The fact that he does not attack a hole, he stutter steps until he sees a semblance of a hole, and then boom, he's and gone. He's, big. he's an artist. He's and he's an artist. big. He's not a small guy. He's an six awesome. two two thirty. I mean, he's not a small guy. I he's love amazing. watching him play. He reminds me a lot of Ladainian. Tomlinson, his patience, how he'll get up to the line and Very he'll good wait. He'll wait and he'll look for the gap, and then as soon as it opens gone. up, just like you say, he's not even there anymore. It, it's it a poof. He's gone. I can't remember watching him get tackled by the first person. I can't, I don't know the last time he I've seen do it happen. It. He doesn't do it. No, he racks up so much after contact. I'm also picking Pittsburgh for wow, this. Wow, I'm alone uh, yeah, here. Yeah, you are oh, alone yeah. here. I'm picking Pittsburgh. I think I think to- Mike Tomlin is a better coach than Andy Reid through and through. Uh, your 16 and two record, whatever aside, I, I the Pittsburgh Steelers are on an eight game win streak coming into this yes, game. Yes, they are. They are a very complete team, as Brian said, and I've said it a number of times before. We get uh, you know once we get into the postseason, I'm looking for teams that are well rounded. It's and why experienced. I picked, and experienced. It's why I picked Seattle over Atlanta, and it's why I'm picking Pittsburgh over Kansas City, because Kansas City doesn't have that experience. They've been to the playoffs a couple of times, but they've only just tasted it. They've been booted the last couple of times that they went in the first round. I think this uh, this is going to go for the Steelers. I think if there's anyone who's going to oust the Patriots on their way to the Super Bowl, it Pittsburgh is the only team that could possibly knock New England off on the way. So before we move off of this, do you know Kansas City, the only way they win this game with all the stuff that they have to do, Kansas City forced more turnovers than anyone else in the NFL this year. That defense is going to show up on Sunday. And there's probably no better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger just gets back out there and throws a football and somehow scores two more touchdowns just to, just to, make, it ha- just mm-hmm. to make it work. And again, Tomlin is going to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. Let's see. I'm excited. Let's move on to Should the, be a good uh, one. There the is, prime time game. There's one more game for us to look at uh, this coming weekend, Sunday. And, uh, Tony, I think you might have a little bit of a stake in this one. Uh, this time, trekking away from the frozen tundra yep. of Lambeau Field to go to the house that Jerry built. Yeah. It's a uh, 1.40 p.m. Pacific, 4.40 p.m. Eastern time kickoff at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. The Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers and then Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. This is going to be really, 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 really good. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I really do. I mean, I, I don't think the NFL wants it any other way than, than to see America's team host America's team. Like, these are the two most popular teams in the NFL uh, worldwide. And it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, who completed another Hail Mary in the New York Giants game Shut against up. the best team in the NFL all year until the very end. New England took the record uh, title away from them, but Dallas has been the best team in the NFL most of this year, led by two rookies who the NFL with how well they've played. Ezekiel Elliott had an awesome year, had a Hall of Fame-worthy first year in the NFL. And that right there is the beginning, the middle, and the end of how Green Bay wins this game, and it's stopping Ezekiel Elliott. He crushed us in the first game we played. Every divisional game has been a rematch from the regular season, and Green Bay lost because of Ezekiel Elliott. Dak Prescott is not going to beat the Green Bay Packers. He can he can not lose the game, but he's not going to win the game. The question is, can we stop that offensive line from giving Zeke the five-yard holes and him gaining yards after yards after yards after yards? I honestly don't know if we can do it. I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I think it will be interesting to see if Green Bay can establish any kind of run game. 
You think we need to be the one to run? Well, the only reason I say that that has to play a component in this game is not— we know Aaron Rodgers is going to do Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has not slowed down. Now, we understand, you know, as, as we speak today, Jordy Nelson is probably not going to play with no. his fractured ribs. No. Okay. Not worried so, about that. Huge baby blanket. I mean, there's a huge differential, and I don't know him off the top of my head. I'll pull him up in a second, but the, there's a huge differential in, in yards and catches and touchdowns that Aaron Rodgers has when when having Jordy Nelson and when not having Jordy yes, Nelson. Yes, and most of that is from last season when Jordy missed the whole year, and Devontae Adams was your number one receiver and just did not play as well as he should have. This year's Devontae he Adams. He is a number one Devont- receiver. The Devontae is going to show up on Sunday as a completely different person. He is a number one, and Randall Cobb is the best slot receiver in the world when Aaron's on fire. So the next question is, well, then, if they're going to— if you know you're going to put points up on the board and, and assuming your best bet is then to establish some kind of run game and keep the and, ball and keep the ball and just give the, your the Packers defense some 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 breathes and just allow them to get maybe one or two punts out of that offense and force them to to make Dak Prescott beat you when they're behind the when they're behind the ball. I will say that in watching last week's game when Jordy went out, I was thrilled to begin with. Obviously, I love Jordy Nelson; he's an amazing wide receiver. I wish him all the best, but. He almost won you a fantasy league this year. He almost did. I was thrilled when he went out because I was like, oh, we took away their biggest weapon. But when Aaron Rodgers then has to change his game plan and involve everyone, that mystifies defenses. And I think that almost works to Green Bay's advantage against the Cowboys, who are preparing for the Jordy Nelson-led um wide receiver pack and I think that him having to throw having to put Ty Montgomery running and throwing and catching and doing whatever the hell he does and having um Cobb and having um Montgomery Jared and Cook Cook. and 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 even Rogers will probably get in there somehow like (laughs) everyone is going to be all hands on deck he's he's not going to throw more than three passes to each player and he's going to completely fool that secondary and uh Alche and I watched that New York Green Bay game together and as in the first quarter, Brian, you were there as well. Uh, I, Alche was running around the place excited, and I almost left. I honestly almost left because of how poorly my team was playing in that first quarter against that New York Giants team. If we come out of the gate and play that bad against Dallas, we'll be losing by a hell of a lot more than six points. And we're going to have to come out right away and start playing the way we ended that game. He had 37 the second half Rodgers that we saw in the Giants game against Dallas from the get-go, or else Dallas will stomp us out. Insane. And... And also, just to point out, too, the Dallas Cowboys' defense, what is their strength? They have a very good rushing defense. Yes, the, they do. The, the best in the league. That's why I'm thinking we just need Aaron to step back and pop it all day, every day. Yeah, I don't think I don't really don't think that you're going to see a lot of Ty Montgomery getting involved Keep deeply. him honest, sure. Sure, but. absolutely. Definitely don't completely and totally abandon the run game, but I really do think they're going to have to go to the air if they want it. They have to beat this Cowboys team through the air. They have to take advantage of, of the fact that their secondary is just— just it's mediocre it's not great it's not terrible they have to take advantage of the fact that they have a good wide receiving core better receivers and an elite level quarterback and the other thing for me and kind of just playing off of of, of you know what brian was talking about and what, what you were talking about is it it really i think falls upon that front seven and clay matthews and latroy guion and mike daniels to really st- to, to stack the box and make sure to wrap zeke up yes. because if you can stop him from getting he he is dangerous because 
like we talked about with Le'Veon Bell, once he makes first contact, he's so hard to bring down. Yes, he gets a lot forward. of yards after contact. His legs are always churning. He's always moving forward, and he's strong as a horse. Yes. So all of those things come together to make him very hard to wrap up and bring down. But if you can confine him to two yards a carry, three yards a carry, here and there, they're going to have to turn to their pass game. There's going to be no choice. And Dak Prescott is, is good for his age and for his experience level at making stuff happen in the pocket. But I think if they put enough pressure on him and they take his options away, you're going to see the rookie in Dak Prescott come out. That's I'm right there with you, Dangles. I am looking forward. I said this last week, and this was before I knew Green Bay was going to be the one playing them. I think Dallas is going to get a little bit of the Sunday scaries in them. I think this stage might be a little bit too big for Dak and Ezekiel right away. That offensive line is the best offensive line in football and will move my Green Bay defensive line around, but I'm afraid for Dallas and the fact that those two players, Dak and Zeke, have so much pressure on them. Mm -hmm. And will that pressure make them crack? What I'm not afraid of, well, what I am the most afraid of as a Green Bay fan and what I shouldn't be afraid of as a Dallas fan is the man who dropped, dropped in air quotes, the fourth and one pass in Green Bay a few playoff seasons ago. Des Bryant is going to come out on fire in this game. And uh, the the drops that are going to keep you awake at night, Alche, Des Bryant will not be dropping those balls that uh, are in their hands like Odell and Sterling Shepard did in the New York Giants game. That also turned that game around. Des Bryant looks to have an amazing game this week, and I'm a little bit afraid of what he's going to do to Demarius Randall and the rest of my subpar Green Bay defensive backs. But that that but that's that's going to happen. That's how good Dallas is. Somebody's going to get free at some point and something's oh, yeah. going to happen. It'll be a, it'll be then on Green Bay to turn up and say, "Guess what? We got to respond and respond quickly and rely on Aaron Rodgers to respond back." But I still think the run game is important because you got to manage you got to manage the clock so that at least, at the very least, if you're lucky enough from a from a Green Bay perspective to stop them once or twice, you've got a chance. But the big plays are going to happen. You've got to just respond to them. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Aaron Rodgers controls the clock better than anyone. He doesn't necessarily need the run game to do that. He will throw those, those five-yard slants throughout the whole game and just have those nine-minute drives that take you down to the goal line. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix. Love him. Love him. He will have to be a man of many, many jobs. Oh, yeah. on, on Sunday, and that will include wrapping up Ezekiel Elliott when he when he gets through the line untouched, but also making sure that Des Bryant doesn't get those big plays. So watch if HaHa can be that guy oh, that we all know he's capable of being and seeing his number run, run across the from sideline to sideline. Left Coasters podcast, Brian Balzarini. You just heard Tony Cavallo. I'm Matt D'Angelo-Antonio. We're here with special guest Alex Alche. We're going to move on to our picks now for this game. Uh, last one of the weekend, Green Bay versus Dallas. Alex, you're our guest. Let's start with you. Oh, baby. I'm, I, as <laughs> you much are not prepared. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Oh, I'm completely prepared. As much as I'm rooting for this stadium to just implode <laughs> after last week, I'm picking Green Bay. I'm picking Green Bay. I think that uh, experience and the best quarterback in the league will outweigh the rookies. That's what I think. Well, Tony's pointing at me, so I guess I'm going to go next. I guess he's going last, his favorite uh, his favorite time to go. I think it's fair. You think it's fair? Yeah. <laughs> well, You yeah. would say that. Uh, but I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. I think the Green Bay Packers, um, yeah, but you get, well, it, it's, it just goes to show you that momentum right now is playing, uh, in, in the favor of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've seen him, uh, dismantle a good defense with the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are unbeatable. And as you pointed out two weekends ago, uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys are ready to take a crap mm-hmm. like Dallas tends to do. They live larger than life. 
And I think an Aaron Rodgers, a well-groomed running offense, uh, running on all cylinders, a defense that's causing turnovers, is kind of the the matchup that, that Dallas doesn't want right now. And as we've talked about in the past, the Dallas Cowboys stadium is a an away team's dream. Yeah. There'll be more Green Bay Packers that weekend, uh, fans in the stadium than the Dallas Cowboys. I'm picking the Green Bay Packers to upset the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if I agree with that last part about the more fans in the stadium because Dallas is ready for this home team, home game. But, uh, Dangles, before you go, man, I will say I'm going to pick the Packers, obviously. And instead of doing my reasoning why, I want to just do a little prayer to the football gods out there. Please, please, oh football gods, when you watch this game on Sunday night, do not let my fat idiot of a coach pick a fourth and two play <laughs> and put it in the hands of a wide receiver turned running back and run it up the gut in the most predictable, fashionable way possible. Please let this stupid f- idiot of a man not screw up this play again because Dallas won't mess it up like da- uh, New York did. That's all I have to say about that. Go Pack, go. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I don't know. It's really hard to argue against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the campaign that they've put together between Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott, they're 7-1 and one at home. They're playing this game at AT&T Stadium. Mm-hmm. On this, I mean, 7-1, and one, that's, that's an incredible mark to be at on the season for your home record. Um, I mean, 13-3 and three on the year. I mean, what are you supposed to say? What am I supposed to say other than I think the Green Bay Packers are going to win this game? Game. You do? Yeah, and here's why. Wait, uh, you it, all think the Green Bay's yes, going to win? Yes, and here's why, because I'm looking Come back. On. You're I'm the lo- only person who's talked shit about the Green Bay Packers the entire season. Everybody, you and I have been talking endlessly. Yes, yes, and here's why. I'm looking ba- I'm looking at this schedule, and I'm seeing a couple of things that stick out to me. First of all, it's, it's that the Cowboys didn't beat anyone who was really, really no. stellar this year, no. other than Green Bay, right? Pittsburgh, uh, and that's really it. The Lions are a playoff team, uh, and they uh, they beat them 42-21. to The Giants, they lost to both times. The Giants were the only team to beat them at home. The other thing I'm noticing here is that for all we've talked about how good and potent and high-octane the Cow- Cowboys' offense is, they haven't been blowing people out. They've Ugh. been winning by one touchdown, 10 points. And give like, Des Bryant stats. Yeah, well, and that's and that's the other thing. And that's the, that's a, a great point, Brian. When you're, you're, you have Des Bryant on your team and you're Quarterbacks playing as well as 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 Dak Prescott is, and your leading receiver is Cole Beasley with 833 yards. Cole Beasley, if you're not familiar with him, is a slot receiver. When your slot receiver is leading your team, and you have a guy like Des Bryant on your who's a who should be a ball hawk, that either tells me that Des is dropping balls and Dak's not throwing to him, or that they don't have a chemistry. Either way, I don't like how that plays out for the Cowboys on Sunday. In addition to the Detroit Lions score that was a big that was a big differential, they they got most of that in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That yeah. was a close game to the fourth quarter. One to do. So they they're not blowing people out. Des Des is going to remember that fourth and one play in Limbo and come to play on Sunday. And if we're all picking Green Bay guys, I'm worried about a jinx now. Like it's not you're we, not we're typically feel good. we're not typically we're good. typically right when we all agree. Uh, we've Don't gotta... say that. You double down on it now. Hey, man, I'm just saying. I'm just speaking the truth. I'm not a superstitious guy. Well, that is what we have for our divisional breakdown. It's going to be a great, great weekend of games, minus the Houston-New England game. But the rest of them are going to be fire. We thank Alex Alche for being here. He had to step out right now. He did give us He's his got Super a Bowl date. pick, though. He's got he, a date. Yes, and good luck on that date, my man. But he did uh, give us his Super Bowl pick like the other guest hosts from last week and like we did last week. 
Alche picks Green Bay over oh, Pittsburgh. Oh, man. A rematch of a Super Bowl that Aaron Rodgers won earlier in the past. I don't know when that was, actually. I probably should real. I probably should remember the Super Bowls that Green 2009. Bay won. 2009? 2009. No, 2009 no, I'm sorry, was, was Steelers-Arizona Steelers, was 2009. No, 2009 was, I believe, was Drew Brees. Was that 10, then? Would that have been 2010? I think it's 2010. I think it's well, 2010 That's what uh, he predicts, a rematch of that Super Bowl. My, One my, of the, my favorite to watch ever. My favorite Super Bowl ring. Oh, the ring itself? Yep. Okay. All right. And that's what we got for the Left Coasters podcast, a new Left Coasters podcast. The first one we've had two teams to talk about. The future has changed, Exciting guys. Exciting stuff, guys. And we got a lot more stuff coming into you. We will dive more into L.A. and San Diego and how this will change Los Angeles, if it will change it at all, in future podcasts. But right now is the playoffs, and that's why we're here. Thank you again for listening. Thank you guys for being here. Tony Cavallo, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini, Matt Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. Left Coasters podcast, baby. And do we finish with Ramit now? Do we have it's been, we have we to. We have to. It's been our year this year. I think okay. we got to focus on Ramit, and then we'll you know figure we can out what figure to do. out what happens we'll reassess after that. later. Right. Okay. All right, baby. And as always, Ramit. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.